In the name of Jesus, amen. Have you ever been in a situation when the result didn't meet your expectations? When whatever it was was hyped up, it was anticipated, but when the day comes, it's not really everything that you hoped it was going to be. It kind of leaves you a little disappointed. That feeling is kind of the feeling that John's disciples had when they came to Jesus and asked, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Because their master, John the Baptist, had told them time and time again that Jesus was God's Messiah. But they still had their doubts. Because they looked at Jesus, and he wasn't the Messiah that they were expecting. The idea of the Messiah had changed over the years, ever since it was given first back in the Garden of Eden from the time that uh, the, our Gospel lesson takes place right now. It was kind of like a long game of telephone. You know, when you have a message and you whisper in somebody's ear, and then that person shares a message with the next person, and then the next person. But as the message goes along, it slowly morphs over time. So too, the idea of the Messiah had morphed over time from a savior from sin to a political savior, one who would throw off the Roman government and give the people of Israel the kingdom that they had back during David's time and during Solomon's time. But even though the idea of the Messiah had changed, God's word hadn't changed. 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet named Isaiah, and he gave a prophecy about what certain signs would be that would announce the Messiah's arrival. And he said that the deaf would hear, the mute would speak, the lame would walk, and the blind would see. So when Jesus received the question from John's disciples, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? He takes John's disciples back to the scriptures and shows them that he might not have been the Messiah they were expecting, but he was exactly the Messiah that they needed. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The people of Israel had been playing the game, Build Your Own Messiah, for many years before Jesus showed up. It's a tempting game, build your own Messiah. Because I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life that I thought to myself that I would have built Jesus a little bit differently. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a Messiah who made sure that our standard of living was never impeded by sickness or injury or disease? Or a Messiah who made sure that we always had enough to live on, that the, our bank accounts were plenty full and even more just topped on top of that. Or how about a Messiah that seems to be a little bit more in control of the world, huh? A Messiah who made sure that bad things never happen to good people. And that tragedy strikes as far away from home as possible. Could it be when we think like that, that the problem isn't with God's solution, but the problem's actually with our expectation. Could it be that sin is a 
bigger problem that we might first think? Could it be that Jesus might not be the Messiah that we expected, but he's the Messiah that we need? For John's disciples, in their minds, there were a lot bigger problems going on in their lives that the Messiah should address than the problem of sin. And even now, maybe in your life, and certainly my life, there are times that I think there are bigger problems that Jesus should be dealing with than just telling me that my sins are forgiven. (laughs) Yeah, sure, my sins are forgiven, but what about the stuff that's going on in my life that doesn't really change how I'm living right now? Once again, Jesus may not be the Messiah that we expect, but he's exactly the Messiah that we need because the Messiah that we need had to be the one who forgave our sins. He had to come and be born into this world. He had to live under the law to keep the law in our place and then suffer and die under God's wrath that was deserving to us. No, he might not have been the Messiah that we expected. But he was absolutely the Messiah that we needed, and still now, and still in our lives today, he is the Messiah that we need. He may not answer our prayers exactly how we dictate to him, but he still makes promises to you, promises that no one can ever snatch you out of his hand, promises that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you, Promises that he will walk with you through even the darkest valley and that whenever the hardships come in your life, they're not there to punish you. No, they're there for discipline so you can grow and learn and get closer to him. He comes to you in his word and his sacraments and forgives your sins over and over and over again. And if that wasn't enough, he looks at you and calls you great. Jesus calls us great. Just as Jesus might not necessarily be the Messiah that we expected, so too Jesus' concept of greatness may not be what we expected. After all, listen to who Jesus calls great. John the Baptist, who wore camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, whose diet was locusts and wild honey, And at the time that Jesus says that John is greater than anyone else born of woman, he is in a prison, never to get out, about to be decapitated on the whims of some young dancing girl. And Jesus looks at that, and he calls that great. Would we have called that great? What are some concepts of greatness in our society? Like riches, or fame, or influence, or power, or maybe even charity. Those are all things that we look to and say, those are great. And I'm not saying that I'm talking to a whole congregation full of people who want nothing more than to be the next Bill Gates, or someone who spends every single moment of every single day pining for that sports car, or a yacht, or a mansion. Very often, our own concept of our own greatness can't be seen in what we long for, but more so in our reactions. Let me give you an example. Say the job falls through, or the debts pile up, 
or the relationship falls apart, or there just seems to be no hope anywhere because that diagnosis came back. In those moments, what's a very common reaction? God, how could you let this happen to me? Why are you letting me go through this? I thought I was your child. Is this really any way to treat a child? We can see our own idea of our own greatness in our reactions when we have the audacity to stand before God and demand that he answer for himself as if we had earned something from him. As Paul says, Who are you, a mere human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? I think that's why it's so hard for us to understand Jesus' concept of greatness, because we so often have a very different idea of what greatness really is. So, what does Jesus constitute as greatness? What does he say is great? Why does he call John the Baptist great? And it certainly wasn't for his wardrobe. And it certainly wasn't for his diet. No, Jesus called John the Baptist great because of the job that Jesus had chosen John to do. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. He was the one that was going to prepare the way before him to tell everyone, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But even though Jesus calls John great, in the very next breath, Jesus goes on to say, and yet, even the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Now, Jesus isn't saying that John the Baptist isn't in God's kingdom. What he is saying is that John was great because he came before the Messiah. He got everything ready for the Messiah. But everyone who comes after him, everyone who follows after him, is even greater because they have the full story. They know how everything plays out. They can see God's salvation plan for what it really is. The salvation plan for us is no longer, I believe in a Messiah who is going to come, who is going to be a son of David, who is going to be born of a virgin, who is going to be born in a little town called Bethlehem, and the serpent's going to strike his heel, but he is going to crush the serpent's head. That's no longer what we have. Instead, what we have is, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, who descended into hell, who on the third day rose again from the dead, who ascended into heaven, and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. John was great because of his proximity to Jesus. We are great because Jesus has taken us and brought us close to him. So Jesus' greatness might not be greatness that we might expect, but his greatness is the greatness that we absolutely need. So let us refocus our thoughts and let us view greatness as Jesus views greatness. You are great because you are Jesus' believers. You are great because you follow after him and haven't stumbled on account of him. 
You are great because he has brought you into his kingdom and he calls you brothers and sisters. So as members of God's kingdom, when we look at our Messiah and we look at our lives, what can we say? We can say that we have the Messiah that we need. And that in our lives, we are great. Because Jesus has brought us into his kingdom. And those are gifts, those are blessings, those are results that defy all expectations. Amen.